Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Non-Contact Time, a podcast about all things educational. I'm Hannah. I'm Kath. I hope you've got some Cadbury's fingers ready to dip in your tea. Mm. <laughs> Do you want to explain what's on the agenda today, Kath? In our data section, we're going to be talking about social distancing. We're going to be talking about Michael Gove's statement. In teaching and learning, we're going to talk about social distancing and what it might look like for different types of teachers. We've got lots of people who've given us their opinion through interviews that we've caught over the last few weeks. People's causing concern. We've got some funny stories to share with you. And in any other business, we're going to tell you about our Patreon, as well as giving some shout outs to some awesome teachers that are doing amazing work. Shall we get started, Hannah? Definitely. This is our data section. And Kath, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been reading in the news about Michael Gove? There's been all of this information that teachers have been given about social distancing in schools. And in fact, there's so many policies that have been written without much detail onto how it's actually going to look. But Michael Gove originally said that we were going to totally be safe going back into schools. And then he had to backtrack on it because he said it's impossible to rule out coronavirus being transmitted in newly reopened schools, which I think is true. I think saying that it's possible and that we need to be wary and that we need to put things in place to protect ourselves and protect our students is really, really important. He talked about making them safe by keeping students kind of away from each other, having them two metres apart, no more than 15 students at a time. And from the most recent articles, it's been there's been a lot of talk about how it's going to be more possible in secondary schools than it is in primary schools, because I think there has been more of an acceptance that it's going to be much harder to actually ask these children not to play with their friends or make sure they're washing their hands all the time. It's just going to be really, really difficult. So Hannah, what are your thoughts on reopening schools so soon? I do not envy head teachers at the moment because all the things that I'm reading on Twitter, all these head teachers have got to come up with plans to make sure that their students are as safe as possible. So a lot of the things that head teachers are putting into place are things like trying to make sure that students are only in certain classrooms. They're trying to make sure that teachers remain with the same groups of students. So they're trying to make it as safe as possible. And it looks like a lot of the stuff that we're bringing in in, in England 
a lot of other countries have already started doing it and there are some successes obviously we know france had a bit of a backtrack the other day there are some extreme things like spraying children with disinfectant which made the news a couple of weeks ago which you know that that's not what we're going to do but there are things that head teachers are going to be thinking about and putting in place to make sure that when you do go back to work it is as safe as possible because obviously we're in quite a high risk environment being sat inside with a large number of people all from different households and you wouldn't necessarily get that in another industry so it's really important that these risk assessments are done thoroughly and they've got so much guidance from the DFE and from the documents that I've been reading there is so much out there you know to help people writing risk assessments so hopefully they'll have all the information they need I think for me, because it's so unprecedented, and I, I know that word's been thrown around a lot, what really concerns me about the risk assessments is that nothing's really been thoroughly tested. And that having more time to actually sit down and work out the practicalities for a head teacher would probably give them some breathing room. Um, because SLT won't have come across a problem like this before and just saying well you know you should just open your doors and not giving them time pre to prepare I think has been one of the concerns of many teachers and particularly the unions because we don't want to just be thrown in the deep end without having a proper plan. Yeah head teachers have been given quite a short time period to get their risk assessments in place for schools to open on June the 1st which is the date that this episode's going out so we're still a bit in the dark of what those plans might be and are they going to be different across different schools because there are still some local authorities that are refusing to open schools like Liverpool's refused and Stockport's refused so there's quite a few local authorities that don't agree that schools should be opening this soon. Mm. So Michael Gove said in his article that one of the reasons that the government is pushing ahead with this reopening is to ensure that we close the gap between the richest and poorest in our schools, which I think both of us agree is a really, really important factor in education at the moment is yeah. closing that class divide and making sure that students have access to the same quality education. So how do you think that's going to look when we reopen, Hannah? It's important, obviously, that we are open to students, but we've got to do that in a measured and safe way. If you look at all the data that's coming out and obviously the experience of teachers, students from financially disadvantaged households haven't got access to things like computers or the internet or enough equipment to be able to share that in a household. So obviously getting them back into school is going to give them a big leg up because they can access all the equipment that we've got in schools. They've got a specialist teacher on hand. So having access to all that will hopefully support students in closing the gap. But if everybody comes back at the same time, it's going to be much more challenging. I don't know whether they've even considered bringing back students like pupil premium students first because that would be a smaller number of students you could then target them with so much intervention to kind of get them up to up to speed maybe give them a leg up and get them a bit further than their peers and then bring the rest of the school back I'm not sure whether anybody's even thought about something like that yeah like actually looking to see which students need that access before just saying come on in guys let's yeah. all start teaching again yeah it's a really good point i hadn't thought of that myself Hannah. the other part of the government guidance 
is they've made all these suggestions about how we can use our rooms, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in teaching and learning. But I think my favourite part of the government guidance, Hannah, was when they described teaching children how to wash their hands, that we should just make up a song. And if we're making up songs and we teach that to the children, they'll be able to remember it and be able to do it more often. Now, I don't know about you, Hannah, but we actually have a seven-year-old in the house and we literally have to shout to him when he's running out of the toilet, have you washed your hands? And then you hear the patter patter back to his, the bathroom to wash his hands. Doing that on a large scale is gonna be very difficult. So what I feel the government should do is actually write the song and perform it at one of their briefings. I think I'd really enjoy that, watching Boris go, <laughs> and wash your hands. <laughs> I think what we should have in schools, in my, in my old school, we had like a tannoy system and a song would be played so it was a bit like musical st- musical statues where students had to be in lesson by the time the music stopped. So maybe oh, yeah. every kind of half an hour or however often they want us to wash our hands, they should play that song over the tannoy. Children should be marched all the way up to the toilets, wash their hands until the song's finished and then go back to lesson. I think maybe we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so impractical. I love it. <laughs> You'll never get it out never. of your head. <laughs> never get it. I just want to see them perform the song that they've suggested. Um, we will include all the guidance on our podcast site. So if you want to access any of the government guidance. And what I would suggest when you're reading government guidance is about uh, social distancing. There's actually hyperlinks to other documents in there. So there's probably about 25 documents that you can access from one document. And one of the more interesting ones is about keeping a non-medical environment clean and what they suggest to be able to try and reduce the risk of coronavirus in the school. So that's an interesting, I had to read that because I'm an art teacher and cleaning is going to be huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I would really suggest reading that, but I still want to see, I want to hear the song. Have you seen any of the posters, Hannah? Cause I'm going to put some of them up on Instagram. No. They've got these um, posters about germs that they're going to put up in primary schools um, that have been created by the government. They're absolutely terrifying. The germs <laughs> look like they're about to attack you and they're all in red font and I actually saw it on an art website uh, an art teachers forum and they were all saying we could have produced something that was much more engaging to children this just looks terrifying (laughs) so apparently the other way that we're going to encourage primary students to wash their hands is to scare them to death (laughs) hopefully that'll work (laughs) they won't be able to sleep so all they'll be thinking about is washing their hands dreaming of washing their hands <laughs> new nightmares of <laughs> up next is teaching and learning what have you got for us today Kath we've got some of our upcoming guests talking about social distancing and what a post lockdown classroom is going to look like to them so have a listen to our upcoming guests Here's Kelly's perspective. It's going to be very hard. I think no matter what, it's going to be very hard. Um, You know, just kind of hearing the setup of some primary schools right now, everything and like all soft furnishings, all displays, all everything is stripped out. And I would just, I feel for any child kind of going to that classroom and then expecting to learn. My classroom is is kind of standard rows of, of tables of two. So I've got space for 30 in there right now. It's a quite a tight space as well. And I know that 
like half of those are going to have to go straight away. So I know some schools are wondering, like, what are we going to do with all this extra furniture? We have to take out all the classrooms as well. There's so many logistical nightmares to this. Michael works in a school in America, and this is him describing how supportive his leadership team have been. Our uh, our leadership team is doing always doing a great job, staying ahead of the curve and anticipating uh, any what if scenario. So uh, right now we're you know we're virtual, we're virtual throughout the summer, and we're just looking to you know one thing that we're really looking to outside of the actual education portion of it is trying to get some activities or thinking outside the box for our eighth graders. Uh, being an eighth grade teacher myself, uh, I have that extra personal connection to the kid that I want them to be able to experience. You know, we always talk about getting to June, get to June, and special moments, the graduation, the prom, the eighth grade mm. trip. So I really am feeling for my kids. So trying to think outside the box and come up with some virtual ideas for them is uh, on our to-do list. James is a head teacher of an alternative provision school, and this is what's happening in his setting at the moment. Yeah, so um, we've got, at the moment, we've got two students on a Monday, two students on a Tuesday, and those who are more vulnerable or key worker children. Um, We've offered a couple of other places as well where the parents have declined, um, which I completely understand, you know, completely understand that. Um, So, yeah, we've just had to use a a different room than normal, um, where there's more facility for social distancing in the classroom. Um, To be fair, so far the students have coped really well. I think they've... they've, um, been happy to have some normality and a, a safe space and to see us as staff I think sometimes we underestimate how important that relationship is to them and you know the attachment that they have with us so just having that that space and a bit of normality amidst all the change I think has helped them. What does our post-lockdown school look like to you at the moment? Um, I think that the priority I think should be well-being for staff, well-being for students. I think that we've all experienced trauma. We did some great training in TLG recently by Louise Bomber, and she um, is a kind of trauma specialist. And she was talking about how all of us are, at the moment are facing a collective trauma, um, you know, nationally. Um, so staff will need a lot of support to come back into school and do their jobs well, so that we've got capacity then to support our children well, but also a lot of space in the curriculum for the children to be able to have and space to explore how they're feeling. Um, and we'll explore at different times, won't we? Some of us, you know, we're really happy to get back to normal and we'll do better. Some of us, we might have been pretty good in our well-being at the moment, but then when we go back to school, you know, a lot of changes based on what we thought it would be and a lot of unsettling, so we might, you know, our well-being might deteriorate. So mm. you know, we can't really predict how people will, will cope. And then kind of space for teachers to be able to adapt and, you know, not do baseline assessments in September and just do it later in the year or, you know, not have to do a certain amount of written work in books, but rather having more space for discussion, more space for creative exploration of how people are feeling. I think that will be really important. Um, otherwise, teachers will have pressure to, you know, help the young people's actual needs, plus pressure to meet management's requirements, plus government pressure. And, you know, that's where it starts to become too much, isn't it? I think for teachers to do their job well post-lockdown normality, there needs to be more flexibility for them to do what is right for the children. So, Hannah, what do you think a post-lockdown classroom is going to look like for you? Well, because we've not had much in the way of information for September, um, I'm thinking it's going to involve a lot of cleaning of equipment because 
students shouldn't really be sharing things like pianos and guitars without being cleaned properly so i'm going to get loads and loads of antibacterial spray because i love that stuff anyway i clean my board with it because <laughs> i like <laughs> i like the smell of lemon fresh so i've got all that kind of stuff and my, I'm quite lucky in my classroom. I've got a door that the students come in and then I've got a fire escape behind me. So all the doors and windows are going to be open and I'm probably going to teach as close to the open door as possible. And hopefully there'll be enough space in there for quite a, a big number of students. But we don't know whether we're going to stay with a group and we're going to teach them all the subjects in the curriculum or whether we are going to be just delivering our subjects. If it's all the subjects in the curriculum, I'm going to make it my mission to make every subject relevant in a musical way. So if it was English and we were going to do poetry, I might, you know, start doing lyric analysis. And if it's maths, we're going to do kind of music algebra and look at rhythm values and do kind of add in, subtract in, times in and things like that. So I'm definitely going to have to speak to some of my primary school teaching friends and see if they've got any ideas to make music and force it into every aspect of the curriculum. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I was actually thinking something similar, um, that even if I'm going to be teaching people maths or English or science, because that's how I think we've talked about it quite a lot, Hannah and I, about how we foresee for a certain amount of time we're just going to be with one group of students helping them with all of their subjects rather than teaching our own discrete subjects. But I thought about um, activities that I could bring in that would help them with their well-being. So one of the things we've been doing at home as part of homeschooling is origami and doing lots of paper folding because it's really mindful. So I'm actually thinking oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of origami paper everyone gets a piece of paper and learns how to fold something exciting each day just so that they're doing something where they can think and take a break from memory tests or memory retention tasks i love that i think i'm gonna start creating clips of me playing the instrument and just putting it on my powerpoint and while the clip's playing i'm just going to explain to the students what i'm doing in the clip because if the students can't physically see my hands and which finger numbers I'm using they kind of trip themselves up and you tend to get students who play yeah. the piano with just one finger and it sounds really staccato and disjointed so I think we're all going to have to find different ways to teach the things that we've taught maybe you know for years in the same way and it'll be great to start using new technology because I've always wanted to get all this kind of stuff going but I've never had the time to implement it so that's all my time uh, during this lockdown, anything spare has just gone towards planning for that in September and making sure that I've got some stuff for students that I can use for years to come. Yes, but even just silly things like making aprons. <laughs> I've had a whole bunch of aprons made so that they can go over my clothes um, just so that at the end of the day I can throw it in the wash and hopefully not have very much contact with any germs that are in the classroom. Yeah, one of our colleagues has also made masks for every teacher. And I was really, because I wanted to do it, I've got a sewing machine at home. And I was like, should I get some music note uh, material? <laughs> should I be that <laughs> teacher? <laughs> oh, you should see my coveralls. They're ridiculous. They're like covered in the most ridiculous material. But I'm very grateful my mother-in-law made them. So thank you so much for doing that. She's also been making scrubs for 
and the NHS and she made me a scrub bag so I can put my apron in a scrub bag and then throw it in the wash. And I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three. So you, you maybe. I said I needed a rotation so something happened to one of them. So yeah, maybe. Maybe you can borrow one. Or if just you're good, Hannah. Oh, I'm always, I'm always good. <laughs> So today on Pupils Causing Concern, Hannah's going to share with us a really funny tweet that's been sent to us. Yeah, someone sent me via Twitter, via a private message, uh, a nice little PE practical story. So last summer, I had a group of year sevens about to do a 1500 metres in an athletics session. And obviously everybody knows how lovely 1500 metres is to run, especially <laughs> especially when you're <laughs> in year seven and you've only got little legs. And one child tried telling this PE teacher that he was unable to do the task. Obviously, the teacher asked him why he couldn't take part. And the child said, because I had steak over the weekend. (laughs) Brilliant. I wish that was an excuse for me. Maybe I could go into work and go, oh, I can't do work today. I had steak over the weekend. (laughs) I'd I'd like to know. I'd like to know the theory behind that. Like, what does steak do to you that you can't run 1500 metres the next day? (laughs) (laughs) So Hannah, have you ever tried to get out of PE before? I used to really like PE. uh, So I never tried to get out of it. But I remember being in sixth form. And so we used to do something called private study. So I had a day where I had one lesson in the morning. And in the afternoon, I had nothing. So I wanted to get out of the afternoon session. So my friend said, well, just write a note and pretend that you're your mum. And obviously being the type of student I was in sixth form, I was absolutely petrified that, you know, I would get caught. So I asked her to write it for me and she gave it me and it was all screwed up and it's covered in dirt. And I said to her, why have you screwed up this note like that and covered it in dirt? And she said to me, because it makes it look more real. <laughs> it makes it look like your mum's really done it. I was like, my mum wouldn't screw it up and put it in, you know, <laughs> in the soil. I guess it looks like it might have been in a dirty pocket of your uniform. Yeah, maybe. And even that's a bit gross. No, I decided not to do it in the end. I was too scared of uh, getting in trouble. So I just sat in private study. But I think it was like two hours. You have to sit in silence, um, basically revising. I just thought I should have gone to college (laughs) (laughs) I love it I have to admit I did try to get out of PE quite a lot my PE teachers would probably be very embarrassed about my PE attendance but we had um, electives so we were allowed to elect to do a PE well a sport say for example and I remember my friends and I who none of us were particularly athletically gifted would go and play these games and I feel really really bad for the PE teacher because we used to pretend not to understand his instructions so we're playing tunnel ball this is the one that I really really vividly remember we're playing tunnel ball where you line up and you throw the ball between your legs and whoever had run to the front would pretend that they didn't know that you had to open your legs and just throw that at their own legs which would then halt the game for ages and then hold up the whole game so I don't think we got any cardio benefit from our PE and I have to apologize I can't even remember which PE teacher it was but I do apologize to that PE teacher because he was so patient and if it was me teaching me, I probably would have told me that I was an idiot. <laughs> so thank you, PE teachers who are so patient with idiots like me. 
So in any other business today, we're going to hear from someone we're going to be interviewing in an upcoming episode. Kelly is going to be talking about dual coding in our next episode. And this is her favorite teacher. It's a really good one. Well, the one that, one of my favorite teachers is, um, I'd have to say Mr. Lalonde, like when I was in high school, he was just this crazy teacher. I was an English teacher, but just, you know, not one of those teachers, not afraid to like kind of jump on the table and start reciting Shakespeare at you and stuff and, and, and really push you as well. But no one knows Mr. Lalonde but me right now. So yeah, some, those are some of my favorite teachers, those who are just have patience and strength but those who are just not afraid to kind of let loose a little bit and push students and, and be a bit crazy capture their attention love that thanks kelly in our upcoming patreon episode all of our guests have been speaking to us about what their classrooms are going to look like when we go back in either june or september so if you want to have a listen to that and all the strategies that they're going to use with the students please have a listen to our patreon Brilliant. And that wraps up this episode of Non-Contact Time. Thanks for everyone that's taken part in this episode. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks very much, Kath. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.